0: This podcast is brought to you by our friends here at hymns.com. Ladies and gentlemen, do you have a problem with your penis getting hard? Yes, I'd have to just kind of cut to the core go right to the point. Your penis getting hard. This is a quite essential part of clapping it out, just like the nerd here claps it out all the time. And I don't need this. But some of you guys, I understand you're getting older. You may have this problem where Mr. Penis is having a hard time getting hard and staying hard on the terms that you wish it would. The inability to get and maintain an erection is the most common symptom of erectile dysfunction. Let's help you control the stress in at least this part of your life by helping you receive the right treatment. This is convenient, effective, and discreet. And you can start your free visit at Hims.com. Rise above erectile dysfunction and get a free online consultation now. It starts as low as $4 a dose, only if you use the code VOMPODCAST10. That is VOMVICTORYONLINEMEN.COM. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hate that military term stuff, but VOMPODCAST10. That's Voices of Misery Podcast 10. There you go. Use that code, and God damn it, get your dick hard and please your woman, because if you don't do it, somebody else will. Hymns.com Sponsors of the Voices of Misery Podcast. We like them. We like you. That's why we want you to keep your woman happy, and just put that smile back on her face and get your confidence up, man. Hims.com. Get that dick hard.
1: On with the show.
0: Hey, what's going on again, everybody? It's another episode of the Voices of Misery podcast. I'm, of course, one half of the dynamic duo of but my other partner, my uh, partner in crime, my confidant, my co-host, she is on location right now, on assignment, if you will. So I have someone here joining me. Uh, we're going to class it up a little bit today, guys. Her name is Christian from Christian <laughs> Family Esquire, so she is a... She's a very accomplished human being. She's way above me, way higher than I am in levels and in life in general. I'm just going to introduce her. Christian, how are you doing today?
2: Listen, I am well, well, well. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, I hope I live up to the hype.
0: Thank you for coming on the show. I mean, what the hell are you doing talking to me anyway? You are, you are a, 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 a lawyer. You have credentials.
2: Let me tell you. And I've talked to a lot of lawyers and I don't really like them. So what's cool about me <laughs> is I'm a downright likable lawyer. Uh, but no, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm listening to different podcasts. I'm getting a sense on what people are talking about. And uh, I thought you were cool.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. I think you're cool, too. Even though you're a lawyer, you know, lawyers are supposed to be snakes in the grass. But I know that you're different. Mm hmm. <laughs> so, can, so can you tell our listeners real quick, before we get into things here, what kind of lawyer you are? Just kind of give a quick little background of yourself so we, before we get into
2: things. Sure, sure, sure. Well, my claim to fame is that I'm a twice-divorced adult child of divorce, recovering divorce lawyer after nearly 20 years. Uh, and an interesting twist of fate, uh, both of my divorced parents live with me. So after, right, it's crazy. And so after having spent uh, most of my life as a divorce lawyer, helping people with divorce and things like that, I can tell you that there's definitely a uh, speak, right, on that as a career. I'm finally burned out of it. I just, you know, can't do divorce or family law in that way anymore. There's a better way. And I have that better way. Ooh, teaser. And so that's really what I'm about now is changing the way the world looks at, thinks about, interacts with divorce. You know, I think of myself as like divorce's PR person.
0: Okay. Okay. I like it. Now, let me ask you really quick here. Was it the pain of just seeing other people breaking up and just seeing families just split apart? Was it just so many years of doing that and just seeing these things happen in real time? From your perspective is that what kind of burns you out of the whole thing
2: it's the high emotions it's the really the high emotions uh of the whole experience and the fact that i think everybody is doing it wrong and so it's just an unnecessarily contentious and ugly environment um criminal lawyers right so like a criminal lawyer can practice criminal law 30 50 years still standing up tall looking good you know what i mean like walking around (laughs) you know, a divorce lawyer, 10, 15 years in, you can see them, they start stooping over. You know what I mean? Their faces look old, (laughs) right? Just kind of carrying the weight of the world on you. Uh And I think, (laughs) right? No, really it's rough. I think it's because divorce lawyers spend too much time with the clients, like in criminal court, if you've ever gone over there, like common pleas, not municipal court, not, not evictions and speeders, not misdemeanors that yuck but like real criminals, you know what I mean? Like actual felons. <laughs> so over in common police court, all the lawyers hang out together, the prosecutors and the defense attorneys. They all hang out in the back, like where the judge hangs out. And everyone who would be a criminal or um, a victim, a defendant, any of those people are in a different place. So the energy is just lawyers, lawyers, everybody's you know having a good time. In family court, on the other hand, you're with your client the whole time, right? So the client's all angsty you know what i mean and all high anxiety and all high emotions you know and you're sitting next to them picking up that energy and then their spouse is there with another lawyer who's picking up that energy right now you just got four people all like (laughs)
0: now do you feel like because there's so much emotion like you said when it comes to just being in your position just being a lawyer for divorce I've like, I've seen enough TV shows, so I'm I'm happy to have the real thing here. So I can ask these questions. I've always <laughs> wanted to know. Do you find that maybe sometimes you'll see the lawyer taking a little bit too much interest where maybe they would kind of put themselves in their, in the person that they're defending shoes and, and maybe steer them away that that person may not want to go as far as asking for too much, maybe wanting too much as far as visitation rights for the kids and stuff like that. Do you
2: see that? all the time. You should see me over here nodding my head at you. Like, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Like, and that is exactly uh, one of the biggest problems that's out there, right? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes a person is kind of like, yeah, oh, I'm sad. You know, my my marriage is ending. I'm at the point where I feel like this is probably what's got to happen. And just thinking about the men really in particular, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this thing isn't working. You know, this isn't working. It's hard in, in my experience for a man to realize that his marriage isn't working and that he needs to leave. He feels like a failure as a husband, a failure as a man. You know what I mean? He's scared he's going to not see his kids. He's going to lose all his money. Like, just, you know, like, I mean, it's just it's a rough place to be in, you know, Sure. Um, except for the couple. I guess they had the cute young girlfriend, but that's not the point. Right. <laughs> so it's just kind of a rough place. And so if you imagine this poor gentleman, he's in this place. He goes to see the lawyer. And he's just kind of like, hey. What should I do? You know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the lawyer's like, well, you know, You got to hit her before she gets you. You know what I mean? Whatever you do, don't move out of the house. You know what I mean? Start hiding your assets, start doing all this, you know, like they give them all, like they freak them out. (laughs) They freak them out. It's like a scare tactic. Like, well she's going to get you for everything. Oh my God, you make this much money and she stayed home all this time. Oh man, they're going to, you know, (laughs) and now the poor guy's like, Oh, what do I do from this? You know? Um, And so it starts the whole thing off in a contentious manner. um, And it's rough. So I'll tell you this. So what happens is is the number one advice that I give to people who are saying that they want a divorce, right, Mm -hmm. is to um, move out. Right. Just move out of your house. Don't go talk to a lawyer. Don't go spending money on a divorce. Don't go do anything like just move out because isn't that what divorce means? Right. I I don't want to live with you anymore. Right when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to see you. Right. When I go to bed at night, I don't want it to be with you. (laughs) Right? Right? Perfect. Right, right. Move out. You don't need anybody's permission to move out. Like you don't have to ask anybody, just freaking do it. You don't need court authority, just move Mm -hmm. out. You know, um, even if that means moving in with a friend, if it means moving back to your parents' house, which is fairly common, right, for people who are getting a divorce, whatever it means, just move out. Unfortunately, the common um, conversation that goes on, right, is if you move out of the house, you are giving up leverage. Mm. Leverage? Who needs leverage in a divorce? Like, your are <laughs> Leverage?
0: Now, what would the tactic be behind that for someone to leave the house? Is that to just say, hey, maybe you guys can work this out, just maybe need some time apart? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Do you think that's what part of that is like that advice that you're giving? Or do you just say, like, instead of going the legal route, just separate forever?
2: Gotcha. Oh, ooh, listen, thanks for asking these uh, probing questions. So it's kind of all of that. (laughs) One is if you're living in an environment where your marriage is over, I guarantee you that the energy inside the house is not good. (laughs) You're not your best self. You're not able to think straight. You're probably tired. There's depression that comes with it, all kind of stuff separating physically lets you get your mind right. You know, just get a little space right away from the person where you can think without them around all the time, where it's not that kind of tension you feel when you're coming home to a house, to somebody you don't want to be living with. Right. So it allows you to do that. Number one, I think it allows you to relax on some level and kind of start thinking straight. The other things it it does are really practical. One, it helps you to hold on for a second. Just Okay, I'm back. These children—they're getting louder and louder in the background, and we're really like, recording I, I, live. They don't care. I think it's
0: great. <laughs> Fantastic! This is awesome.
2: <laughs> like, just oh my god. Okay, so, um, so the practical part of it is, it helps you to divide up your things, right? Like, the reason that people are fighting a divorce and spending tens and thousands of dollars, right? It's not because they want to stay together. It's because they don't know how to divide up the stuff. If you separate. First, it helps you really divide up a lot of the like physical goods in the house, right? Like I'm talking furniture, dishes, photo, ornaments, right? Because my advice is move out and imagine you only have one bite at the apple. Take as much stuff as you want on that first time out, because after that, pretend like it burned in a fire. <laughs> and getting that mental clarity will stop you right there from being the person who's fighting over the decor, people pay me thousands of dollars to fight over the decor to the entryway. Now, I was going to
0: ask you that. <laughs> that's crazy. Right. No, <laughs> I was going to ask you because you were talking about how some lawyers will say, Hey, take them to the cleaners before they get you. Mm-hmm. Now, that's some pretty crazy advice. Now is, is your job and is their job as a lawyer for divorce to take the most or to try to work things out with the other person? How are, does everyone kind of approach their, their, their clients and do they use different tactics?
2: Yes, 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 yes. So conceptually, there's really only two ways out of a marriage. Okay. Like in really any lawsuit, but let's talk about marriage, right? There's only two ways out. Either you reach an agreement. So we've agreed on everything. This is what we're going to do with the kids. This is what we're going to do with the money, right? This is what we're going to do. Or there's a trial where you present all the evidence to the judge and the judge makes the decision. There's only two ways out. Either you reach an agreement or you went to the judge. Most mm-hmm. divorces end in agreement. Okay? Even if it's after years. Most divorces end an agreement. But they don't end in agreement usually because the people really agree.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because one person one person gives up. <laughs> right? Like just
0: of course it basically <laughs> run out of money.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> usually just one person gives up. Um one person simply cannot afford right, to fight anymore, which is kind of like giving up. Like That's usually really what happens. So no, like honestly, honest and truthful, I don't want to say not no, but fairly common. Just because it reached an agreement doesn't mean an agreement was reached, right? So that's the point. What happens with lawyers is you got two types of lawyers. Some that are going to try to make you reach an agreement no matter what, even when it's clear that the other person on the other side is an asshole and you're not going to get them to agree. Mm -hmm. This is a bad way to go about it because everybody's not going to get along. Right. (laughs) So why set your client up to be spending money and spending time to reach an agreement with somebody who's unreasonable? Exactly. Right. So that's not it doesn't make sense in that situation. You know, and so you need someone who can look at it and say, hey, no, this other person is unreasonable. There's no sense in us spending time and money trying to reach an agreement when we can't. Let's prepare for trial. This is the case where we're going to need to present evidence to the court on. Right why you're the reasonable person and why this should happen this way, and let's see how it falls, right? So that's one school of thought. The yeah. other school of thought, though, exactly are these other people where really these people don't have anything to fight about, right? He's comfortable yeah. with her him, her getting a half of everything, right? He's comfortable with um, her having the kids most of the time, or she's comfortable with him having the kids, whatever, right? There really isn't anything to fight about.
1: Yeah.
2: However, <laughs> the lawyer, instead of saying, hey, okay, well, let's just really Make this what it is, right? Let's just write out what you guys have agreed to. They want to be pushing for, well, are you sure you guys agree? Well, let's make sure that we see everything. Maybe they're lying about what they have, you know what I mean? And so, then, <laughs> do you think we should get a private eye? Maybe they're cheating. Like
0: <laughs> It's like that devil on your shoulder right there. Right. <laughs> Now, is there any incentive for a lawyer to prolong a case and maybe to get more out of it? Because that's the kind of thing that I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around here is what would the incentive be for holding a case out for more, getting more out out of the other party, as opposed to just getting this thing amicable and just being done with it and being peaceful and making sure the families are happy, as opposed to just fighting for the most that they can get? What's the incentive
2: you're gonna make me say this, huh? Listen, oh, I'm, gonna, no get, no I'm gonna get blacklisted on all the like attorney uh, lists and websites everywhere. Like, they're listen, <laughs> my name's gonna be mud. Um, <laughs> but no, the truth is that is the bad rap that a lot of divorce lawyers get. Um, is that right? We we get paid by the hour.
0: Okay.
2: So the more you fight, the more we make.
0: Well, I, so it doesn't matter what the settlement is in, in the end. So, like, let's say if it's like a a higher profile where maybe the husband's a doctor. He cheated on his wife and she mm-hmm. was like, like a homemaker and she took half yep. and you're defending the wife. Do you get more because she gets half of what yep. the guy was? No, nothing. Mm-mm. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, see. You see, that makes sense. And at least in that case, you're, you're working in their best interest and not trying to get like a percentage, right. like a settlement right. amount. Okay. Cause I know some lawyers do get paid a percentage based off of a settlement. And yep. I'm yep. Not-
2: Those are contingency cases and that counts for a personal, like personal injury. Right. So okay. Like,
0: yeah. Okay. Now here's one I do want to ask because we were talking about kids and, 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 and money. You, you kind of mentioned a little bit, this kind of piqued my interest. Um, do you see more cases during your tenure? Did you see more people fighting over kids or money? And did you see one side concede over the other side? So like, let's say if like, you were defending a husband and a wife and they were like, I want money. I want the kids. Do you see one person giving up kids in favor of money or vice versa? Like maybe like one person doesn't care about the right thing and wants something else.
2: Ooh, these are juicy questions. Um, I'm, what a very I'm, curious say, my, I'm a
0: right? very curious guy.
2: I like it. I like it. i am going to say really every kind of fam- family is its own, but I got a couple of stories, right? Oh, um, so one couple that comes to mind <laughs> so they were similarly they made similar amount of money right and but mom had always been the very primary with the kids right she'd always been the very primary with the kids and so in her mind was we're going to get divorced i'll continue to be the primary with the kids and even though our income is similar since i'll have the kids more you'll pay uh child support right okay. dad is like nah we make the same amount of money Right. And we have the same kids. We're gonna split these kids 50-50 so that I don't have to pay you any child support.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, this is a fairly common scenario. And the courts lean towards 50-50. I mean, there's no reason for dad not to have 50-50. He's not abusive, he's not a bad father. I mean, there's no no reason, okay, why dad shouldn't have half time. So their mom says, Cool, right? <laughs> have the kids half the time, right? Keep your child support. But you're going to really need to get the kids half the time. So the paperwork goes down. You know, we finally reached the agreement. Dad's supposed to have the kids half time. There's no child support. But then he doesn't actually get the kids half time. Mm. And this I see a lot. And, and And it's hurtful, right? He insists on the time, insists on having the equal time. And I'm, and I like to err on the side of dads really want to spend that time with their kids, and a lot of dads do. Do you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't want to be giving dads a bad rap.
1: Uh-huh.
2: However, I, that is a common scenario where the one parent is insisting on half time, not because they want half time, but because they don't want to pay any child support, and then they don't actually exercise that time.
0: That is something that. it it really gets me because like I'm a full-time dad, obviously, you know, like Mm -hmm. I work a lot, like I have two jobs. That's why it's hard to schedule these interviews sometimes because i work two jobs. Like we were having a little back and forth and I'm like, Oh, this time doesn't work. This time works. So I appreciate you making time for me
1: because
0: I work two jobs right now. I have, you know, a a wife of 16 years. I got a 12 year old, 11 year old with her and we're happily married. Mm
1: -hmm. That's why I'm having you
0: on the show because I might be splitting up. No, no, I'm just joking. (laughs) But, but the thing is, it's like I, I always feel like guys get a bad rap. So this is a question that's been burning inside of me for a long time, mm-hmm. because I have three sisters and a brother, and, I, and my sisters all have kids, you know, and they mm-hmm. made some bad choices with different guys and whatnot, and they've went through court. I've seen it growing up as a kid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, I, I've always wanted to know why does the child and and the court seem to always default the child to the woman as opposed to the man, no matter the situation. It seems to me, at least as an outsider, and I know, and I know, like you're the expert here, so that's why I'm asking you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Why does it seem like the courts always seem to give the kid to the female, no matter what the situation? It it doesn't matter. It seems like the woman always gets them.
2: Mm, I'm going to say that is a fairly common misconception. It it is, it must be how it seems because that's how uh, a lot of people feel about it. (laughs) Um, In my experience, I've gotten a lot of dads custody, uh, like a lot of dads custody. Uh, these are the things that I know. So a lot of times what happens is, is one, a lot of the dads go into the whole process feeling defeated already. Right. They came into the process thinking she's going to get the kids anyway. <laughs> right. It doesn't really matter. The first time things look like oh, uh, they're believing her. You know what I mean? They, they kind of fold in their mind. Do you know what I mean? Like the, and they don't fight the fight all the way. Um, exactly. I would dare say that's kind of true. Oh, listen to this crazy story, and then I'll tell you some more stories. Oh, please so, tell me stories. So my dad, oh my god, I'll tell you all his business. So <laughs> when my parents divorced, um, this is like the 80s, you know what I mean? And of course, mom got custody. Like, it wasn't really a question, right? And dads were weekend dads, and so then he gets every other weekend, right? <laughs> they didn't even have the little week visitation. Then. He got every other weekend, and like she had custody. He paid child support. That was the rule. My parents like parented together very well. My dad probably had me every single weekend. It wasn't, there was nothing contentious about it. You know what I mean? He was happy to give me blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Well, then he gets with his third wife who gave me my little sister. Okay. Now this is a very different set of facts. So with this set of facts, the little sister's mom is not a good mom. She's just not, you know what I mean? Like she's not a good mom. If my father did not take My little sister to the doctor appointments, she wouldn't have gone. You know what I mean? If he didn't enroll her in school, she might not be reading now. You know what I mean? Like Oh boy. Right. He was the dad. And he really should have a fault to have custody of her. But he didn't. Part of it I think was that feeling right defeated. Oh, she's gonna get the kid anyway. I don't wanna, I don't wanna hurt her feelings was a lot of that in there she's going to feel like a bad mom it's going to destroy her if i take the kid blah 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 mm-hmm. so while on paper she had full custody my dad really still had to pick my little sister up every day pretty much and take her to school you know what i mean like i said he took her to all her appointments He had to help her with homework anything he did and he was still paying child support over there like the other person had full custody mm-hmm. yeah and i've always thought that it was just a crazy place to be, but why would he not just fight her for the custody? But in his heart, he felt like he was doing what he was supposed to do as a father, which is true. You pick up the slack where exactly. the mom where the mom is slacking. Um, and in that way, that's another reason where I find where a lot of dads, even the mom ends up with custody, because the dad is picking up the slack and he's not picking up the slack to make mom look bad he's picking up the slack because he's a good dad and that's what you do for no. your kids and so no the kid's not missing school you know what i mean so you know what i mean so right so her mom didn't seem like a quote-unquote unfit mother because he was making sure she went to school he was making sure she got her doctor's appointments he was making sure all of these things so how do you point to the mom and say ah oh, she's doing a bad job
0: Exactly. There's always that preconceived notion, too, where the woman is the nurturer and the man is the provider. So, mm-hmm. of course, the first thought in the guy's head is going to be, OK, well, she's a nurturer. She gets the kid. I have to work and just pay child support. So I'm guessing that's where the whole defeat, defeatism comes from when it mm-hmm. comes to sports and, and children, because I was thinking the same thing, too. I'm like, listen, every time I see these court cases on TV or I hear about it or I have a friend that's going through it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's getting a kid. You're just going to be a and daddy. Because I was the same way as you. Like, my dad took me on the weekends, and I was with my mom all week. But my mm-hmm. dad was a good dad, so, I mean, yeah. I got nothing bad to say about it. But I, I have, I've always seen it that way, and I thank you for for clarifying that for me, because I always thought it was only that way. And mm-hmm. it's, it's it's nice to hear that there are some stories that work out, and, you know, in the opposite. Mm-hmm. But I do have a personal question for you. Sure. Because I know you are a woman of faith. Yes. How important is your faith to you, and where did it originate?
2: Ooh, man! So, oh, so now you want me to cry too, huh? Oh, cry! Um, right. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's what this show's for. It's we're opening up. It's random shit. We just talk. We just talk about <laughs> right. conversations here. That, that's all. We want me to
2: cry too. Huh? Oh, God. that's where it goes. <laughs> oh man, so let's see. My faith is actually very important to me. It's one of the. Things that has kind of kept me grounded, if anything, right, throughout my life is the concept of eternal security has given me a sense of security that's unshakable, even when life around me looks bad. You know, Um, like when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, they got um, thrown into that fiery furnace. Yep. And it says and they came out, but they didn't even smell like smoke, Mm. you know, and that has always been to me the story of my life. You know, yes, there's a lot going on around me, but me. I came out of it, I don't even smell like smoke. So interestingly, my parents, right, divorced when I was young, right, like seven um, is the age. The last place we lived together as a family uh, was a two-family house. We lived downstairs from my Aunt Vivian, who owned the house, she lived upstairs. We moved in because Vivian, incidentally, her husband had gone to jail for killing her son. Mm -hmm. Right. And talk about a sad set of facts. OK, like, brutal. Kinda, yeah, brutal. And so she needed somebody else kind of in the house. You know what I mean? And so there we were downstairs and she was upstairs. Vivian, incidentally, started going to a very small storefront church, like in walking distance from the house. Rising Star Missionary Baptist Church. And she would take us kids to church with her. Like cause she was like the lady in the neighborhood that babysat the kids. You know what I mean? Like she was that lady. And (laughs) she would take all of us to church with her. And she'd always say, I don't care what your parents are doing. I'm taking y'all to church. And the little church was so cute that we really were more children than adults at the church. (laughs) And little storefront church in that my pastor, um, Reverend Braxton, like he had a full time job, right? Like he worked at the for the city bus in Cleveland, right? RTA He had a full time job. He had a little um, garage that he was trying to open up, you know, where he do mechanic work on the side had his own wife, his own three children. And so he wasn't making any money, so to speak, you know what I mean, from running that church. Like Mm -hmm. that really was just a call that he was doing. Mm -hmm. But he poured into us. And the most important thing that he ever did for me, um, and it always makes me cry to think about it, is he had a Bible study um, for us kids on Tuesday evenings. And us kids was three little girls, me, my best friend, Taryn, and his daughter, Karen. And because he cared enough about us, you know, every week he would have a class just for the three of us. And he taught us how to read the Bible for ourselves. And he taught us about the Holy Spirit and how he moves into your heart, you know? And he he just, he taught us about having a relationship with God and the old man and the new man and how you grow and how you change, you know what I mean? And it was the kind of church where even prostitutes, right? Like streetwalkers would, it was a place they could come. And sometimes they'd have on their streetwalker gear, you know what I mean? But it wasn't the kind of church that would shame them and run them away. Like you didn't feel comfortable coming in there. Just, it wasn't that kind of place. And so having had a pastor that poured into me at a young age and let me see that, you know, it's about relationship and being in a church that wasn't like judgmental. Like I hear so many people who are been church hurt because they went to these churches where everybody was talking about don't do this, don't do th-. you know everything was don't don't bad bad you know, yeah. It, it wasn't what I learned you know, and it wasn't. Um, I have a girlfriend says so she'd go to church, and so they'd be at the church. I think it was Pentecostal, and it would be like, don't play the lottery, right? Don't watch movies, don't smoke cigarettes, you know. And then they leave um, <laughs> church, you know, in the family, and they'd stop by Blockbuster, go to the store, pick up a beer and some cigarettes, you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> and they'd go home, and it was like. <laughs> What is this? You know, like, I didn't have that story. Now, don't get me wrong. The thing with Vivian, which I, to this day, I always laugh about is, I mean, she smoked uh, those paw balls, those really strong cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also smoked weed and drank her cold 45. I mean, but she, wouldn't you, too, if your husband was in jail for killing his son? You know, like, but it <laughs> was not.
0: Where she at now, we could party.
2: Okay. I loved her. <laughs> um, but to me, there was never any disconnect between that and the fact that she was a woman of God and that she loved us. Do you know what I mean? Like there was no disconnect. Like, yeah, those are things she did. You know what I mean? She's a good hearted generally good hearted person that takes us to church that cared about our souls, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah.
0: I think those kinds of people are the best because like they have their vices in life that they stick to. But they don't have these, like, virtues in life that they feel like they have to pretend to be somebody else. And they have these urges inside that they repress because they believe in this higher being. That's why I feel like a lot of these pastors and these people will, will, like, be these, you know, don't do this, don't do that. But then years later, you find out they've been doing it all along. The things are Mm -hmm. telling you not to do, like touching children and and doing these fucked up things. Mm And the fact is, is like your story, I I think it's great because the guy who who was taking you guys in his children and he had prostitutes coming in and stuff like that. He's a very non judgmental person. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't believe in God. I don't disbelieve in God. I am what you would call an agnostic. I am looking for a reason to believe. And I respect everyone else's religion. I've had different people from different backgrounds on the show. And we've talked about religion ad nauseum. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think it's good for people that need that. That you know, like those prostitutes, that you know, the street walkers They have, mm-hmm. you know, they have no skills in life. They're doing it for a reason, and they're selling their bodies to make a living for themselves. But they also want something better, and I feel like they needed him in their lives to just mm-hmm. have someone to listen to them and just, and just be there. So you don't have father figures, I'm sure, and I'm glad that mm-hmm. guys had him and they had him. And it sounds like a hell of a person.
2: Oh, yeah. Him and his wife, which reminds me of this, which I always thought was funny. And people go, she said that to you? Yes, she did. So (laughs) I remember his his wife, Molly, um, would say to us, like we were young women then, you know, I mean, like late teenager, early 20, you know, kind of thing. Um, She would say, listen, and don't you ever look at these kind of like prostitutes, these ladies who are selling their bodies and feeling like you're better than them. Right. They're at least getting paid. You girls are sleeping with your boyfriends for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Do you know uh, what I mean? But really, like, where do you get off? You know, <laughs> judging somebody else. So.
0: Classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a good line. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Is it okay for Christians to get divorced? Because this is a hot topic here. This is something that's highly debated online. I've, I, I've seen this, and yep. I've seen both sides where people try to defend it. What is your take on that?
2: Oh, listen. My original tagline was, "I help Christians get out of the marriages that God didn't put them in." Mm. Um. Right. My position on divorce is um, two or threefold. Let's see how it falls out, as I tell you. Mm
1: -hmm. One,
2: the argument that people make against divorce is the Bible says a couple things. One of them is that what, you know, what God has put together, let no man tear asunder, right? When Mm -hmm. you get married to your spouse, you become one in spirit. God sees you as one. And so nobody should destroy that, right? You also hear there's a verse in the Old Testament where it says God hates divorce, which people always quote out of context. Okay. So. This is kind of the bad karma that's going on out there, right? It's bad karma. But it's, anyway, that's, that's the bad teaching. My understanding is that just because you married a person doesn't mean that God put you together, like number one, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Number one, if that's not what that means, like God's not some genie. Like if you're with somebody you're not supposed to be with, If it's a, a unhealthy, unnatural relationship, right? Like just period, because mm-hmm. they're out there. You don't get married, and all of a sudden force God to bless it. Ha ha! God, and I got you now. <laughs> Keep this, bless this. Like you don't, you don't do God that way. It's not how God works. You know what I mean? So, exactly. If God didn't put you in that marriage, then who, who is He to force you to stay in it? You know, people have that conversation upside down. Maybe hmm. you should have never got in it. The problem is you shouldn't have got in it. Hmm. <laughs> now go ahead and get out. You know. So on that front, I think divorce is dumb, right the right thing to do. Um, in another situation, sometimes people go into um, so we're there. You go, let's talk about this. So the part of the Bible where it says God hates divorce, right? Um, I would dare say that in itself, that's a bad translation. Ooh, I live in the loudest
0: corner. Like someone's getting burned down over there.
2: Oh my! I live in the loudest corner in the city. But that's all right. I wouldn't live anywhere else. Okay, so. <laughs> And the other thing is that um, with God hates divorce, which part of it I say is a bad translation because I don't think God really hates anything. He's God, but that's an aside. Um, what was going on there is there were these guys who were married to women who they'd been married to for a long time, right? And then they'd gone to this new place. I'm just, I'm very paraphrasing. But the men started looking at these foreign women like, ooh, you know, she's hotter than that wife I had. You know what I mean, right? And so they started putting their wives away and getting these new these new wives. And what God was saying in that verse, where God is hating divorce, He hated that. Like that's mean, that's cruel, right? To just (laughs) drop a woman you've been with for something younger. Like is that? Hold on, sorry.
0: What city do you live in?
2: Columbus. I'm in Columbus, Ohio.
0: Columbus, Ohio. What the hell is going on on there tonight?
2: Yeah, right. I just (laughs) right. I live in a really loud corner, and I live very close to the fire department. Jeez, right? Like, oh my goodness. Jeez. Okay, okay. Eventually, I'll get soundproofing up out here because it's not a good studio with all the sound that comes. Um <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Right. Okay. So, where's I call with this? Um. Da, 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 da. Yes. So, the guy was talking about is really though the cruelty and the meanness, right? Um, all of that, which leads up to divorce, is what he doesn't like, and that's still true. Um, because whatever happens that made the, the marriage fall apart, there's some pain, there's some hurt that's involved in it. And no, God doesn't like that. You know, like he God loves people. He doesn't want to see them hurt and he doesn't want to see them in pain. You know, so th- so there's that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's important to my faith, since we're talking about my faith here, um, mm-hmm. is that I firmly believe that because, um, you know, I'm a hardcore Jesus follower. Right. Mm-hmm. And that uh, Jesus died and paid the penalty is the word right for all sin all sin not some sins you know right so there's nothing in theory that you could do that's unforgivable which in itself is controversial conversation for some people that's almost why they won't get with christianity because they're like really really but yes really so (laughs) that being said whether you're getting married or divorced for the right or the wrong reason this doesn't take you out of relationship with god (laughs) you know and Mm -hmm. so sometimes you got to do what it is that you think you need to do um yeah, and if there's deeper levels I can go with it, but I think I'll leave that there.
0: Now, is it hard to separate your faith from your job during some of those cases that you were working? Just basically like separating your faith from your professional life. Have you ever found that hard?
2: Uh, no, not for me. And what's interesting is most intentionally keep a very clear line um, between their faith and their profession, especially in the legal field. Which is why it was really controversial and cutting edge for me to come out as a Christian divorce lawyer. Like it was, it was very controversial. People are like, "Those those things don't go together, right? Separation yeah. of church and state. You keep that shit out <laughs> right? um, of here, right?" But I know that Christian, if, as much as anything, defines me. You know, mm-hmm. and as such, I come from a certain set of values, which is you stand up for what's right. You know what I mean? The Jesus that I follow stood for justice. You know what I mean? This is a guy who goes, he thinks things are unfair and unjust. He speaks up. You know what I mean? He turns the tables over. He's no, like, pansy. <laughs> so part of my, my faith in, in, in representing people is to not back down when I, don't, when I don't think it's right. You know what I mean? When there's injustice. But the rest of it is not to be fighting when there's no need to fight. You know, so my faith kind of undergirded those things, like my ways of being um, within the courthouse, interacting with other people. Um, also helped me, I think, sometimes to be a little kinder to my clients when they were coming in and really understanding. Because like, divorce itself is, is stressful and hurtful and painful, like all of these things are true. And then when you add on an extra level of the religion aspect to it, where you feel like, and on top of all of this, I'm failing God, right? I'm a bad Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, God hates this. I'm going to hell. You know what I mean? Like, and when you add that to it too, um, it's even more. And so it helped me to kind of have a, a kindness about me, um, and understanding of that's the extra layer that was making people do what they do. Because sometimes people behave in a way that feels like it doesn't make sense. You know, but understanding that they're trying to protect the deeper level of thing. Um, If I don't know, I don't know how clear that was, but that's what I got. So my my faith connected in that in that way.
0: No, that's extremely clear. And that was a hell of an answer. But this is something I do want to ask you, because you are a religious woman and uh, we just got off that whole topic with the Bible. But you were also a divorce lawyer. And you were divorced twice and you're a co-parenting mother of three. Mm -hmm. So how does that work out as a divorce lawyer? Didn't you see enough people get it wrong?
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. Listen, I got so many stories about this one. So let's see. So the first marriage. Right. So I was doing divorce. I found divorce law back in what the 2001. Right. Like I was actually even 2000. I was still in law school when I first started doing divorce work. And at that time, the only thing I really knew about divorce is that you never want to do it. this is not something you want to do. Divorce is for losers. You know, like my parents did it. I'm not going to do it. You know, Um, a lot of judgment in my mind about, well, why didn't those people just work harder at their marriages? You know, like I just, I had this kind of attitude. The first women that I was, was helping, and they really were pretty much all women, and at legal aid in the domestic violence session, I was getting them divorces from like abusers and getting them protection orders and stuff like that. You know, and it felt like Yeah, at least I understand why these women are getting divorces. I don't think they did the wrong thing getting the divorce. I don't think they didn't try hard enough, but they did a bad job picking. (laughs) Right. So there's still judgment. Right. There's still judgment. And I'm not going to do that. You know, so I felt like I would never be in danger of getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. Don't don't (laughs) don't. Right. So when I'm shortly about a little bit before my third anniversary, when my husband said to me, I don't love you the way a husband should love a wife. I don't think I want to be married to you anymore. Oh, God. Damn. Yeah, that's yeah right? It was a real gut punch. It was a real gut punch.
0: How the hell do you answer that?
2: So I said, well, thanks for sharing that with me. I mean, so what are we going to do about it? Because I was so, <laughs> like, convinced I wasn't going to get a divorce. Like, that wasn't even an option. So, yeah, that's, yeah, so what are you going to do? <laughs> that
0: would be the worst way to break up with somebody I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I love you yeah. like friends, you know, someone to have sex with occasionally, you know, make me dinner, but not like a wife. This is- like
2: a wife. Oh, <laughs> well, let me get, look, now it gets really nitty gritty.
0: Mm, let's hear it.
2: Yeah. So, ooh, sorry about that. I just hit my own mic. Um, the reason that he didn't love me the way a husband should love a wife is that he was gay. Ooh. And that's what he was sharing with me in that moment, right? But I, I wasn't, I didn't get it that way then, you know, like over time, that's what was happening. And so it was in that, in finding myself, where a divorce was happening to me. You know, I hadn't done anything wrong. You know what I mean? I had married him in good faith. I was a good wife. You know, I didn't nag. I made dinner. I was, you know, when he'd travel for work, he'd come home. I'd have on lingerie. Like, I mean, all the stuff, right? Hey now. All, the, all the stuff. Um, but it didn't stop me from being in a position where I got a divorce. And that was the very first kind of switch in my mind. You know, that was like, oh, people have divorced wrong. And by people, I mean you. (laughs) It's not this isn't about I did something wrong. I didn't try hard enough. Right. Divorce happens.
0: Well, what's worse, though, to I mean, like, would you rather as a woman have your husband be like, hey, I'm screwing the next door neighbor or hey, I'm gay? I mean, like, like what's a, a bigger blow?
2: Listen word on the street is however it comes down it comes down hard because i know a couple of gentlemen who managed to be married for like significantly longer than three years um 15 20 years before they ever came out to their spouse Mm. and it never gets better it maybe only gets worse you know what i mean Sure. (laughs) there's there is no way around it um yeah there's just there is no way around it i know in my heart that because i so desperately didn't want to be divorced
0: Mm-hmm. That of what
2: he had said to me is, is I also have sex with men. I just say, cool. How can we work this in?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Just... Hey man, you can do that show on Saturday nights. That's right. <laughs> it. <Right. laughs> oh man. Just make sure you wrap plastic all over the bed. And it's <laughs> do show the day, hotel, right. off you're working late, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to see it or hear about it.
2: I don't see about it, but right. But I don't want to be divorced, you know? And so, um, Right. It was it was a gift, right? That he got the courage to kind of live his truth and leave me. You know, like it really was a, a gift. It was a gift.
0: Damn, damn, that's crazy. Oh my god, I couldn't imagine that. She'd be like, am I that bad in bed that you know, no. just went to the other side? I mean, like, that, yeah. like, that's where my mind goes.
2: No, no, where my mind went was, is how are you in a relationship with a man for ten years and you don't realize he doesn't like you like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, he's a really good actor. Or, I mean, like, were the warning signs not there when you caught him like, putting on your stockings or some shit?
2: Hilarious, <laughs> hilarious. And I got a story about a crossdresser too, I'll tell you later. But um, oh, no. Um, so what happens is is we were genuinely really good friends. Do you know what I mean? Like, we really were good friends. Like, we genuinely cared about each other. We loved each other in a lot of ways. Like, had there been a sexual component, it would have been a solid relationship, right? Um, we were long distance for the first, like, seven years of the relationship. And even during the marriage, it was really long distance because he traveled for work. And so that's kind of what helped to keep the charade up because oh, we yeah. were only seeing each other every couple of months, you know? So I see you for a few days, every couple of months, it'd be, you know, kind of intense. And, and it, it wasn't a relationship that was based fully around sex, right? Like sex was a very small portion of the relationship, which mm-hmm. on some level being a young, really hot looking woman, as I was, I enjoyed because a lot of people were after me for sex, you know, mm-hmm. it was nice that he wasn't until, I was like, wait a minute, but don't you want to have sex with me more than this? I mean, come on, like, like I said, I'd have on the lingerie, like have me, you know, for dessert. You really want to eat ice cream, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So no, there was there were different sides there, but you cannot see anything you don't want to see. And um, I compare this sometimes, and, I, and it's a rough comparison to make, but you hear about girls who have been molested by, like, their mom's boyfriend or something. Oh, yeah. All the and the girls always yeah, saying, always Mom, you must have known. She must have known. How could you have not known? Mm-hmm. And I can say now, you cannot know anything you don't want to know. Yeah. When those moms say they didn't know, they didn't know. And it's not because they shouldn't have known. It's not because they couldn't have known. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They didn't want to.
0: You put those blinders on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that makes yep. perfect sense. It really yep. does. Oh God, that's disgusting. But mm-hmm. what about the second marriage?
2: So then the second marriage. This one's just downright. No, it's not embarrassing. So oh, the I second don't do marriage. No, uh, please do. <laughs> the, the, the second one came around like we. It moved so fast. That's kind of the thing with it. Um, so my first marriage was over officially June 25th, 2009. It's the same day Michael Jackson died. This, you know, mm. an aside, right? <laughs> right exactly right I'm coming out of court trying to tell people hey I'm divorced and my phone's all blowing up because I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan right and I'm like what <laughs> right like no right so the world will never be the same June 25th
1: 2009
2: so I then I got off of the first divorce so you can get the runner to the second marriage um, I was running for judge right really young to be running for judge but the right? I had no kids no husband at this point so I'm running for judge running for judge I get off of that so the election would have been what November 2010 right Shortly after that, I started working on a foster care license um, because while I was on the campaign trail trail running for judge, I met a lot of kids who had aged out of foster care and they had let me see that really all you have to have is a little love in your heart. You don't have to be perfect to be a foster parent, you know, that I had what it took. And I felt like I do have a lot of love to give. And this is something that I feel called to do. And at that point, I was 34, um, right, divorced no kids, 35 divorce, no kids. I had kind of decided that I wasn't really going to have kids, wasn't something that I had necessarily really wanted anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. So cool, I'll foster. Here's my way. And so I'm working on this foster care license. I meet this guy, uh, Troy, and he thought it was really cool that I was working on this foster care license. And to be a young woman dating with no kids, you know what I mean? Like, it was an interesting thing for a man to be like, yeah, I'm about that. You know, like, I support that life. <laughs> he um was also 35, no kids, but he was raising a boy who he had guardianship over, who he had kind of kept from a prior relationship, right? Like, he had been with the child's mother from when the child was two, Mm -hmm. and even when they broke up, he kept the boy, (laughs) you know? And I was like, wow, right? You don't just meet these people. This is a good man right here. This is a good man right here, right? And so (laughs) there was that, and then he was um Really into me sexually, which was a nice change, right? After this, oh, worst, yeah. right after the first guy, right? <laughs> the girlfriend Must have been
0: up too. Be like, Are you gonna fuck me or are you gonna fuck my brother? Like, like, who, like
2: right, right, where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? Right? <laughs> so, so he's really into me. He's got, he's got this good heart. This thing is happening. And good. then he got me pregnant really fast. Like, and I'm, I, when I say I'm a good girl, I'm a good girl. Like, the guy I dated before him, we dated for 10 months. He never slept over. Okay. Mm. Never slept over. This guy. We're dating. Within like six weeks, we've had sex. He's sleeping over all the time. Within three months, I'm pregnant. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that man
0: does not play around. He does
2: not play around. So now I'm like, oh, you know? and, <laughs> and, and, and So now I'm like, oh, crap. No, I'm pregnant. I'm not a bit like pregnant. I mean, I teach Sunday school, you know, and mm-hmm. it didn't matter that I'm 35 and have run for judge and that I'm a boyer and had been for 10 years. None of that mattered, right? All of a sudden, <laughs> I feel like a I feel pregnant teenager.
1: Good money. <laughs> <laughs> just,
2: oh, no so i'm like well we got to get married
0: because <laughs> <like, "What's> <laughs> what i can't
2: do is tell my granddad that i'm pregnant and i'm not at least getting married you know so oh, is- so right you see where this is going so we're going to get oh, married okay. um even <laughs> before let me say so my daughter's born a few months into my daughter being born He is drunk Um, and this isn't his first time having raised his voice at me and acted kind of crazy in a drunken manner just you know what I mean in in his defense and mine he had exhibited some you know signs of crazy (laughs) 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 prior to the final you know showing but um, at the time I read it as passion right Mm -hmm. I read it as passion after having been in that relationship that liked passion right I read it as passion um I've been always very, I don't want to say repressed with my emotions, but very kind of like you've met lawyers, you know, like in, in that way, I'm like them. Like we're just we're not very in our emotions, that kind of way. And I like that he could really get in touch with his emotions. Like he could really be angry and really mm-hmm. be sad and like really be like he could really go all the way. And I was like, yeah, you know, anyway, so I just said I appreciated it because it was something I couldn't do, you know, Exactly. So anyway, this is happening. So here now he's drunk. He's acting like himself. He's angry. He's in some kind of fit of rage and he pushes me over. I'm in a chair and like he pushes me over. I'm holding the baby. He pushes me over. We're down on the ground.
0: Oh, goodness.
2: Right. I am not even in a place in my mind yet to realize really the gravity of what had happened. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm more just kind of like this is screwed up. What am I going to do? You know, right. My yeah, girlfriend- like time
0: freezes and you got to make that choice. Yeah, exactly. Right.
2: Right, my had a girlfriend who was there because again I had three foster kids, and my girlfriend was there, and she had grown up in a house where there was domestic violence. And mm-hmm. seeing him do that and push me over that chair triggered the shit out of her. It of triggered her, right? And she was like, "We gotta get out of here!" You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, she <laughs> packed up me, the baby, the three foster kids. You know what I mean? She got us out of there. She took us to her house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being the goody two shoes that I am. I then of course contacted the foster care agency to say, hey, right, the reason these kids are with me is I'm supposed to be providing a safe environment. And here I am, making them have to flee in the night from their home. You know? Yeah. And yeah. at that point, the foster care agency was like, listen, you have no control over other people. Okay. If you get a protection order against him, we you know, we know that you didn't know he was going to act that way. You keep yourself safe. You can do you and your foster kids go home, no harm, no foul.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But if you're not prepared to end this relationship with him and get the protection order, then you're going to have to give up your foster care license.
0: Yeah, oh man, that that's a hell of a choice to make. It's like the person that you have those blinders on or something that you want to do with your life. That must have been the hardest decision of your life at that point.
2: It was. I know now. Then I. Right. I, mm. I had no choice, which is the worst part. I felt like mm. I had to let the foster care license go. I yeah. couldn't right in this relationship with this man i just had this baby with it would mean something was wrong with me or that i had done something wrong that kind of thing and i wasn't in a place to want to accept that
0: now do you blame that on your faith because i do believe that religion can be a hindrance or a handicap to someone's true happiness like what they really want to pursue because they feel like they have to hold back in favor of their faith and religion
2: no that's absolutely true it was true in the case of that divorce and it's also something that i'm overcoming now that i'm um undoing my subconscious to become rich um because also there's a lot of negativity um, with religion and wanting money and having money and being rich you know right <laughs> they kind of like yes. there's this glorifying of this poverty mindset you know right so Absolutely. yeah it can work against you <laughs> yes Absolutely. it can yes it, and, can. And
0: it did and it did in your case in this instance because yep. you always have that what if moment
2: mm-hmm So there we go right so i ends up married to this guy i let the right i kept the relationship i let the foster license go so i'm with him the relationship goes on and on and it continues to get increasingly more um volatile i'm always trying to do what i can to convince him he is good enough to be with me
0: what's he drinking still
2: still drinking Mm -hmm. um even when i got him to to stop drinking at one point right and which is when it should have been the end of the marriage um you know he begged he cried he begged he cried you know i didn't put him out i just let him stay and quit drinking Mm um but sure enough the the alcohol came back you know um i didn't take the stand that i could have taken just right so it's just this kind of thing happening and then i just keep having babies with him. you know
1: Mm
2: -hmm. so now we're seven years into this thing right i got three babies we're seven Mm -hmm. years in I'm noticing that my business, right, which is the Christian divorce, is not growing the way that I feel like it should be growing, right? Like I've been investing in business coaching, mindset coaching, you know, this law firm should easily be grossing a million dollars, like real talk, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What is stopping me? I've got a niche, I've got a good product, like I've got all the stuff that I need. What is stopping me, right? So the only thing that could possibly be stopping me is me, right? What is my blind spot? And so that led me into a room, emotional intelligence leadership training. There are centers all over the country. In Columbus, there's one called Next Level Trainings, and we're in Columbus and Philadelphia. The initial training is called Discovery, right? Mm-hmm. You go into Discovery the whole time, there's a sign on the wall, this is what am I pretending not to know, right? So I've signed up for this emotional intelligence leadership training so I can figure out what is my blind spot, what's stopping me, right, from, like, really growing in business. Well, there's an interesting turn of events, the training was scheduled for August the 3rd, 4th, and the 5th, right, of 2018. Mm-hmm. I was excited to go that weekend because August the 5th was my birthday. And an entirely separate set of facts on August the 2nd was ended up being my legal name change. Here, right? So I legally changed my name and my name became Legally Christian Family on August the 2nd, right uh-huh. before I'm going into this three-day weekend, which is really cool because you spend the whole weekend with a name tag on. So talk about <laughs> learning your name by immersion, right? <laughs> they're Christian, oh shit, they're talking to me, hey, you know, so that worked out. Um, what I didn't know and the thing that God knew, right, because it always plays a part of my life, is that on August the 1st, the husband and I would get into the worst fight ever and he would black my eye. Mm-hmm. So he blacks my eye on the first. I get a new name on the second. On the Mm. third, I enter a room. This is, what are you pretending not to know?
1: Mm. Very
2: simple. Right? I'm pretending not to know that I'm a Christian woman trapped in a marriage when my message is that Christian women don't have to be trapped in marriages. Of course, my Mm -hmm. business isn't growing. Right? There's a clear disconnect here. And so that was the beginning of the end. Um, But just knowing that I was an abused woman still didn't give me a way out. It just was like, it opened my eyes. You know what I mean? Like I was no longer blinded. The blinders were finally off. Right. I had these blinders on all the time. The blinders were finally off, but I still came home and it was like, so now what?
1: Oh (laughs) man.
2: Yeah. So now what? Um,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. He um, managed to a couple weeks later on my way to the second part of the training, because I always pitch the training. It's really three parts. And the first part is two parts That you is like three days and then there's a break and then there's four more days. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm going back to the second part, the second four days. He starts a fight with me on the Wednesday before that training is going to start. And I knew then that this second part of the training is either going to give me the courage to leave this marriage with the tools I need to save it. And the fact that I still thought that there was an option that I could save it is comical. But nonetheless, that's where I was at the time. So he's starting this fight with me on Wednesday night. I have all these new emotional intelligence tools, right? Because I've taken a three-day training, right? So like I'm dodging his blows, you know what I mean? Like I feel like, you know what I mean? You're not going to get a ride out of me, you know? like So I really felt like I was doing something um, and I was kind of. Um, but it just the fight just kept escalating and escalating I mean it really escalating like I was in the bed I see myself huddled holding my two boys and like he was throwing stuff at me and anything that he could do to get a rise out of me you know
0: Mm -hmm. he ended up
2: throwing an iPad and breaking a TV and just all kind of stuff and finally he um, picked up the baby who was really like a baby at the time he could have been just one one year he was under a year old right so like 11 months and he picked the baby up and you can imagine like you're a parent like the instinct of course is to jump up right and not let this fool take my baby
0: of course you would do anything protect your kids
2: right and a really bizarre calm kind of came over me and it was like no if he kills that baby that's That's on on
0: him him. it's on him yeah
2: yeah and it was hard it was a hard thing but it's like what am i going to do i'm going to jump up and do what right (laughs) what's going to happen here and so he ultimately did pass out holding the baby i think that was his last straw you know
0: like so no, what the reality, reality? Reality, looking at him in the face.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Right. So I managed to get away, not talking to him Thursday, Friday, I'm in the training Saturday morning. I finally say, okay, I'll talk to you Saturday morning. And do you know he wanted to keep having the fight with me that we had been having on Wednesday, mm-hmm. like we were still God. in the same place. And he finally says to me during, in this fight, well, what do you just want a divorce? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes, <laughs> I do. You know what I mean? You He opened the door and I ran through it. And mm. I just, again, it was a gift because if he hadn't opened the door, I I didn't have a plan. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like I, I didn't have a plan. I was still scared to be divorced. I didn't want to be divorced twice. Do you know what I mean? Like there's shame that goes with that guilt, you know, frustration. Really, did I really. do the wrong thing marrying this schmo? I don't want to be a single mother of three because he really did most of the taking care of the kids. I'm the breadwinner.
0: Right. Maybe it's a joke at certain points, like, oh, you've been married X amount of times. You're a single mom of X amount of kids. Like it, right. it become a talking point.
2: Thank you. Right, now more are freaking punchline. I didn't want that for my yeah. life.
0: Exactly, <laughs> I, mean,
2: exactly. I didn't want that for my life. The financial stuff that goes like there's just a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And him being who he is, real talk. The most dangerous time for a woman is when she ends the relationship with the abuser. Of course. You know, so there's so much involved there. But he opened that door and I ran on through it. And so <laughs> therein was the second divorce and uh Mm. here we are now
0: well this one you've had kids with so let me ask you this like was that his his final moment where he's like i gotta change because now i have lost everything i worked hard to get he has to like are you guys on good terms now is he changed is he reformed is he a good person like what happened afterwards how are you guys now
2: Mm, Thanks. I'm going to say this and this will probably get to be our last talking (laughs) point because eventually I got to go get my dad from dialysis. Um, All right. Um, So. Thank God that I am who I am. Right. Mm. (laughs) He gets the kids. He loves his children. I can say that he loves his children and he would never consciously intentionally hurt them. Mm -hmm. These things are true. I know this to be true about him he is still a wounded person. And so he still will, you know, call and cuss me out, you know, at least every couple of months. I'm, you know, (laughs) some kind of, you know, awful black bitch, you know what I mean? But, you know, occasionally, you know, a terrible mom, this kind of thing. Um, (laughs) Sometimes he'll get mad at me. And so he won't come get the kids because he's mad at me. Um, Recently, he threatened me really good about um, how dare I talk about him in my TED talk. Dude, that's my story. And like, I'm not talking about you. And it's not like I'm bragging. Like, hey, here I am, this lawyer, this smart lady, this good looking woman who marries a schmo that blacks her eye. Like, I'm not bragging. These aren't brags. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right? Like, this is me showing
0: he that up I was a
2: fool. <laughs> right?
0: like... He fucked up, not not you. He fucked right?
2: up. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. Right? So there, there's my story. I appreciate that. So but yeah, no, but he gets them. He's going to have them for Christmas this year and he'll he have them for Thanksgiving and he'll also have them for Christmas. In theory, he probably shouldn't have both of those holidays. And what I'm not going to do is ever deny him from seeing his kids when he wants to see them. Period. Even oh. if he doesn't get them when he should. Oh. In the absence of us having an actual 100 percent plan of something to do. Right. Oh. Which happens not that often. <laughs> right. Of he can have the kids. He can always have them. And so that being said, he managed to mess our weekends up. And so he had them for five days for Thanksgiving. He'll have them five days for Christmas. And I'm like, you go right ahead. Because I had them for Thanksgiving and Christmas for the last two years. He didn't really have anywhere to have them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, goodness. Well, I'm I'm glad you guys were able to work it out. And, uh, you know, like I know you said that's your last talking point here because I know like we are strapped for time and, and I do appreciate you for fitting me in. But you did mention something at the very beginning of the show. And you said yeah. that you did find a better way as far as your new life choices, your new career direction. What is that better way that you did mention? You kind of teased it in the beginning.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thanks for asking. <laughs> That's why
0: I'm a host.
2: <laughs> uh, excellent, excellent. So yeah, the big thing is, like my mission in life right now is to remove the stigma from divorce and is to kind of ease people through the process before they get into the legal process. Um, the theory is this, um, people become one, right, in five different areas when they get married. Um, people talk about spiritually and they think about legally. And so they go right to the divorce. What they forget about is that we're also one physically, which is what I talked about. You live together, right? You're you're having sex, but also, I mean, you're really living together. Like you have stuff in a house together, like physically, right? Financially, you're one. You have credit cards together, cell phone bills together, right? You all have a mortgage together, car notes, right? Like financially, you're one. Relationally, you're one. You have mutual friends, right? You have kids in common. Um, And... You're also legally one in that the government sees you as one person and there's a business transaction like dissolving a business that has to separate out the assets and the debts. Most people go at it only thinking about the legal process, the the unwinding of the business affairs. But you cannot properly do that because a marriage has all these emotions, all these relations, all the spiritual component. There's all these other components involved. And if you go right to the legal part. The reason it takes tens and thousands of dollars and years and years and people leave out of them devastated and hurt and the families are limping along and can't really get it together is Mm -hmm. because they didn't know to handle those other parts first. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm here to kind of teach the people as a uh, divorce coach, trainer and advisor.
0: Mm. You have a lot of experience and you have a lot of cool stories and holy shit. I wish I had a better schedule so we could have done this earlier and get more stuff in because I have a lot more things to talk to you about. So I know this one is going to be extremely appreciated and liked by by the fans of this show. And I know they're going to want you back for another go. So, oh,
2: please have me back. Please do. And next time I'll try to have the children not in the background doing that.
0: No, I think it adds to the charm here because you're a real person just like we're real people. And the people listening to the show, are real people. And I think people are going to appreciate it and just understand that, hey – We all got our things out there, and I think your story's going to help a lot of people out here. But we do in this show, like we end every other show, like every podcast you ever listen to, where can people find you? Excellent. What are you doing? Websites, plug it all.
2: Uh, Listen, I'm plugging everything. So I'm Christian (laughs) family, and that is my real name right you can find me on the website www.christianfamilyspeaks.com. there's links there to my TED talk and some of the other interviews that I've done so you can you know hear more about me and if you're interested in booking me for your podcast or for a speaking engagement that's where to get in touch with me um, i do have a free ebook that you can find at divorcexn.com right it's called the five laws of divorce secrets that your divorce lawyer can't tell you so that's cool. Um, follow me on social media. I'm in Facebook, LinkedIn, um, I think and Twitter, but I don't really tweet that much. And um, what's the last thing? Oh, I've got a YouTube channel. I'm uh, also Christian Family Esquire. It was Christian Family ESQ. Is there one last thing? Oh, did I you about my podcast? Which is hilarious. There's only like five that's episodes, true. but it's called Asshole Parents with Christian Family. <laughs> and um,
1: Love Love the it. first Love
2: four that. episodes are really just me and my parents, right? And so it's... <laughs> It's a fun show. There's there's no editing. There, it's just me talking shit with my parents. (laughs) So it's
0: fun. No, people that like this show will definitely like that one because that's what we do here. Not much editing, very little, and we just talk shit. So (laughs) uh, I think they're gonna love your show. And Christian, (laughs) I appreciate the hell idea for coming on the show. You 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 better come on again. All right. because there is a lot more stuff to cover. I wanted to talk about your parents. And, hey, even bring them on the show next time. I think we'll have a lot of fun together.
2: Oh, it will be fun. I'll get them out here. They'll, they'll do it. They're easy.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Thank you very much for coming on the Voices Misery podcast. You have a good night and do what you got to do. And that kid who's screaming in the background has been screaming the whole time. They have a set of lungs on them. They might be the next Mar- Mariah Carey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. We'll do this again soon.
0: Thank you. Have a good night.
2: Or you too.
0: <laughs> bye bye. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Charlotte'sWeb.com, ladies and gentlemen. If you love CBD just as much as I do, I need it. So you need it. We all need it. If everybody had CBD in our life, we wouldn't be so fucking at each other's throats all the time. I said a couple of uh, podcast episodes ago about CBDMedic.com kind of going the way of the wayside. Well, they didn't. They merged. We all went to a bigger and much, much more well-known company called Charlotte's Web. And that's something that needs to happen more in business and life in general, is everyone needs to kind of get together and make something bigger, something bigger than yourself. And that's what CBD Medic did with Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web is one of the most well-known names in podcasting. People talk about this all the time. People talk about this all the time in the CBD world. They are entrepreneurs, pioneers in the game. These guys are huge business. And I'll tell you what, they are not so big that they forgot about the little man because they gave us a coat to give to you guys. V O M one zero. This will get you any fucking order over $150. You will get the coolest product I've ever heard of with CBD. This is a, a, a active sports stick. So anytime you spend $150 or more, use the code V O M one zero. You get a free active sports stick, which is phenomenal. You can use this thing on any part of your body. If you're an active person, you go out there and you just do anything physical. You take the sports stick, you rub it on your part of your body. There's also a spray version. Spray it on that injured, affected part of your body. and Within minutes, you will feel great. This thing will alleviate any pain. It, will, it is phenomenal. And if that's not your thing, you're spending 150 bucks to get this free sports stick. Why not get a free sports stick? Spend 150 bucks. Take advantage of all their products. They have uh, all sorts of shit. Rubs, lotions, tinctures, tunctures. All sorts of things that you probably can't even pronounce. So many cool different products, different topics. Everything tastes great. Charlotte's Web has a 100% money-back guarantee on products you may or may not like, but you will get to keep the free active sports stick. But you have to use the code VOM10 at checkout. Spend 108 bucks or more. If you don't like the product, simply send it back and keep the free sports stick. But you won't send it back because you're going to be so fucking on cloud nine. You won't even be able to make it to the mailbox to send it back because you're going to feel so good and relaxed For the first time in your life by using charlottesweb.com using the code VOM10 products that you will not know what to do with yourself ladies and gentlemen take it from the nerd i would never ever steer you wrong until i do but this is not one of those cases this episode of the podcast is brought to you by podbean.com yes podbean.com have you ever wanted to get your voice heard by millions upon millions of people around the globe are you too dumb to start up your own website professionally Are you too dumb to start up your own podcast? Are you so dumb that you don't know? (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you me? Because that's basically me describing myself. You know, when we got into this podcasting game about two years ago, um, it was very hard to find a good platform out there, someone that gave us the voice and the opportunity and the tools to make our dreams and vision become a reality. Well, let me tell you something. Podbean.com made it simple, easy, and effective, cost-effective, very cheap, to sit there and get your voice out there. And I know the time all that is you get what you pay for, but in this case, you get 10 times more than what you pay. I mean, these guys are getting, like, we're robbing them, basically. And I'm going to tell you something, man. You better jump in on this deal now, because right now, everyone's at home. Everyone's got a lot to say, a lot of things in their mind. Podcasts are popping up all over the place, and there's no better place than podbean.com to start your own podcast. They make everything easy. Even a dumbass like myself was able to make a website, can produce a podcast, can put things out there, and just have all sorts of different outlets and they make it simple for you to get on you know apple and all the big shots like spotify uh iart Radio, all these other big name places that you can get your podcast seen and heard they do it for you and they make you just basically walk through baby steps through this process i mean they make it so simple and easy and to sweeten the deal if you go to www.podbean.com slash v-o-m podcast one zero that's v-o-m podcast one zero using our code They're going to give you five free hours of podcasting space to see if you like it, which you will. And if you don't, no harm to you. There's no risk, tons of reward just to try it out. So give it a shot. www.podbeat.com slash VOM podcast one zero and get your voice heard. And lastly, this podcast is brought to you by (laughs) my good friends here. I tell you what, man, I fucking love these guys and I'm so glad they're back. I never had so much fun recording a podcast commercial for my friends at Manscape.com. I'm so happy they're back, ladies and gentlemen, because I missed them. I mean, it's been a while since I talked about them, since I was allowed to talk about these guys, and holy shit, my balls have never been happier. I I, I was crying in the shower the other day, and I was using this cheap-ass shaver. I'm not even going to use the name. I bought it at Walmart for fucking 30 bucks. And I'm shaving my nuts, and all of a sudden, I just howled in pain. And I cried for the first time in my adult life. Well, for the first time this month, actually. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And blood was trickling all at the bottom, little droplets. And I said, "I said screw it, and I stopped. And I was half shaved, and I was walking around with a half-row of my balls. Horrible, horrible experience. So I did what I could do, and I picked up the phone, I called Manscaped, and I said, please come back. Please sponsor the show. And they were like, all right, fine. Here you go, nerd. Here's a nice new product for you. Here is the Lawnmower 3.0. This thing is amazing. Just the design, the engineering on this thing is beautiful. I mean, The Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer is designed with a compact shape for easy maneuvering while wet or dry. This thing's waterproof. More waterproof than your stupid iPhone 20 or whatever the hell they're at now. It's just amazing. It's got the skin-safe technology. That's the perfect tool for an incredible grooming experience. It's very sleek. I mean, you you can travel with it, and it's also wireless. So you can charge it, and you pick it up. You can bring it in there with you, so you don't have to worry about accidentally electrocuting yourself in the goddamn shower. They also got other products, too, like the Weed Whacker, which I need because as an old man who's starting to get gray hairs now, my nose hairs are really long, and the weed whacker, you just jam this thing in there like Arnold Schwarzenegger from Total Recall, and just move it around in your fucking nose, and instead of pulling out that little ball that he had that was tracking him, with, with, with whoever else chasing him, it's gonna pull out those nasty nose hairs. It's like going in a backyard and ripping out weeds, but it's painless. You don't feel any pain at all. You don't get those nasty scents of batteries that you get from all those cheap ass ones. This one's amazing. The skin safe technology as well, Something I cannot brag enough about with these guys. You do not hurt yourself. You don't have droplets of blood. You don't hurt yourself at all. It's amazing. You can go as hard as you want. You, you just pull it, you just pull that sack back and you just fucking go to town on yourself. Before you know it, you're going to be smooth. Smooth as my head. And my, my bald head. I love this thing. You could use it on your fucking head. You could use it on your armpits, your mustache, your every place on your body. You can use this thing. And I'm telling you what. The ladies are going to love you for it because you're going to be as smooth as a baby's butt. It's amazing. The battery life is phenomenal. They got a 600 mAh lithium ion battery, hold the charger up to 90 minutes. You can shave your whole body five times in 90 minutes, even more, depending on how tall or you know, short you are. It's such a phenomenal, they send you all sorts of stuff, and there's a lot of different things that you can get as well. There's a crop reviver, keeps your balls cool. The crop preserver keeps them nice and shave free, and the cleanser, it romances your stones. It's basically a hair and body wash, it makes you feel really good. But Ball Deodorant. Whoever thought of Ball Deodorant? Only these guys. I'm serious. They are the best company out there. Very innovative, and we're happy to have them back. There's so many different things. Here's some testimonials for you. 85% of women think bad grooming is a major turnoff. 80% of women think men should trim below the belt. Those other 20 women are dirty fucking skeezers. 89% of men think grooming is essential to their professional success. So thank you, men. We're actually moving up in the rank. There's 11 dirty bastards out there, 11% of dirty bastards, but... We'll get to them. And if you get this right now, there's an exclusive offer. You get free boxers and a travel bag, so you put all these tools in there. And $109.99, you get every single product, and you get a money-back guarantee. And the cool thing about that hundred ninety nine $109.99 plan is it's every three months. So you get fresh products. You're always fresh and trim. Your ladies are going to be all over. You're going to have to beat them off with a stick, all right? You're going to look phenomenal. You're going to smell phenomenal. And the best thing is, you're just going to get some free gifts like that fucking Manscaped boxers. I mean, it's going to keep your dick all where it's supposed to be. And that bag is amazing. It's really sleek. It's a leather bag. It's going to keep all your stuff protected. So get on us right now, Manscaped.com, and use our code VOM10, VOM10 at Manscaped.com, and please do it. And you'll save tons of money. You're going to save $80 off the retail price. So normally, it'd be $169.99. For the perfect package 3.0, you're going to get it for $89. You're going to go for the the best package, the $109.99. Normally, that's $197, so that you're going to save even more money. The more packages that you get to protect your package, why wouldn't you do this, ladies and gentlemen? Go to manscape.com. B O M one zero.